When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California, this is the Napsack Files. I'm Ken Napsack for another edition. We've got an interesting spectacular, wonderful interview coming on up here in a second with a special guest. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. We're getting to some interesting, interesting things. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it at all, but I'm here to talk to you. It's the, it's the, it's the show intro. It's the, it's the, the opening, opening, opening monologue. Started to go into my old Norm Macdonald impersonation. We don't want to do that. Hey, everybody. Let's turn that music down, engineer. Wait, I'm the engineer. I can only blame myself. Big things coming up, but I want to talk about that before we get into the show. Uh, August 24th, just a few days away, I'll be up at the Clark Center for Performing Arts in Arroyo Grande, California, my hometown, for the Central Coast Film Society's presentation of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, Q&A, VIP experience, some cool things happening I can't even tell you, uh, charity auction, I'll be selling books, copies of Why We Love Star Wars, and signing them if you smile. And uh, some exclusive posters from Janine Bryce. You know Janine the Machine from Schmodown. Uh, she uh, made some posters for me related to the book. I'll be selling those as well. And just meeting fans and then, uh, you know, tooling around my hometown. Going to be a lot of fun. I hope you're there. Go to centralcoastfilmsociety.org for more information. Yeah, from there, you can link to the Clark Center to get tickets. Tickets remain. VIP tickets are almost sold out. Get some. Get some. Get there. Also, September 6th locally. We're just running through the business. September 6th locally here in uh, SoCal. Uh, I have uh, been a part of and, and support of uh, Millennium Pro Wrestling for a long time, back 2001. And the company has come and gone and changed and moved. And we're back. And Millennium Pro Wrestling is back. And I'll be appearing at their opening. I'll be uh, selling some books there and just being around and being supportive, maybe doing some fun stuff in the ring for uh, their return event on September 6th. It's in Chatsworth, California. If you are SoCal local, want to go, $12 tickets at the door. Uh, wrestling entertainment, small, fun, roots wrestling, independent wrestling at its core. A lot of fun. Uh, going with the fun attitude. You'll have a fun time. Uh, I, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe text Tony, my old managing persona. Maybe he'll pop up. I don't know, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And also, just uh, recently confirmed and announced, November 16th, mark it down in your calendars before the holidays really hit, I will be in Washington, D.C., that's the District of Columbia, with Mr. Mark Ellis. I do believe potentially Josh McCuga, but definitely Mark Ellis. We'll be doing stand-up comedy at the Comedy Loft, two shows, 7.30, 10 o'clock, I'll be doing doing some jokes, uh, pulling from the set list, having some fun, and uh, 
uh, it'll be a great time. I hope you all can come on out to that. For information on that and to get tickets, go to markellislive.com. But for information on all of it, go to kennapsock.com and the revamped shows slash events page and come on out and I'll be announcing some more stuff soon as I try to head out uh, on the road a little bit more, doing some comedy, doing book stuff, uh, working on some other things. Hopefully, hopefully I can announce that very soon here. We got a great interview here coming up. Mark Torrey's his name. He is uh, someone who's gone from uh, listening to the show, uh, just being a, a, a person out there in the Twitter sphere and the Facebook sphere that, that listened and, and kind of was a fan of things we've done. And we dress a little bit on the show, uh, but then he kind of got to meet us and uh, got behind that wall. Not that it's a giant wall around the Schmoes crew, but back in the day, we could have a little more one-on-one connection with our fans. And, and he got through and he, be, he became a friend to a few of us in the crew. And he's got a fascinating story and we brought him in here. And, and that's definitely what... A lot more uh, that's going to be coming down the pipeline here on the Knapsack Files when we sit down for the interviews. I'm going to always be doing the ones with the people you know in the digital media space and uh, the YouTube space, all that kind of stuff. Uh, everyone there's got fascinating stories too. But I, I, there's some stories that I, I've hinted at it before. But finally, now that I've moved them in the new studio, can you hear? Can you like you like this? Can you hear the fan? A little bit. I don't know if you can hear that. Got a ceiling fan going, keeping me nice and chilled during my broadcasts. Uh, you know. Um, we uh, now that I'm settled, I'm going to finally get to get around to some of these guests. They've got some great life stories, some great things they've worked through and overcome, and and obstacles they've had to deal with, and 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 victories in life, and big failures in life, and they're people that might not even be on Twitter, might not have a big Twitter following, and I'm not doing it for the numbers. I just want to get some other stories out there that I think you all will find very interesting, perhaps very beneficial, and. Maybe even fingers crossed, inspirational. So look for that. Look more of that, and it starts today with uh, Mark coming in here and sharing some some really fascinating stuff. Uh, also, we get to talk about kids in the hall. I hope you'll enjoy that because he is from Canada. Blame Canada. Uh, so that is that. Everything else in my life going on, just working hard, settled in. The move is done. I'm in. I mean, we got to still got some stacks of clothes around me, and mosquito bites like crazy. It's just, it's not just our house. It's just the season. And these mosquito bites, it sounds like a hacky stand-up comedy joke. But how the hell do they get inside shoes? There, I, I don't understand that. I, you know, I know I'm not wearing my old work boots on right now. But just to get through a shoe and sock, I guess they're thinner than I thought. Maybe that's why I have bad feet. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But I'm covered in bites. It's not going good. It's not going good. It hurts just thinking about it. And, of course, I, I have that stuff after bite. Which is great if you're familiar with Afterbite. It is a tube. You shake it up. And it's got like baking soda or something. And you, and you, and you wipe it down on there. You, you wipe it over the bite as soon as you know you got it. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, okay, here's a little sting. But if you've already scratched it, and there's any kind of any kind of opening, oh, that stuff goes straight to, and you, it's like one of those, you make that sound. Grown adult making, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Um, so I'm going to work through that. I'm going to work through settling in. Uh, it's been one of the longest moves. It's a, You guys are sick of hearing about it. That's how long it is. And uh, we're, we're almost done, and I'm excited the things uh, we can get to here on the Knapsack Files. And a special shout-out to all those who enjoy the Saturday night special lineup of programming that we do here. 
on the Knapsack Files with uh, Dutch Allen inside Tinseltown, behind the bag with Tom Dagnino. We're working on a new episode. And then, of course, uh, what's becoming one of my favorite things to do, which is Mysteries and the Unexplained with Nolan Guthrie. It's, uh, you know, it's not for everyone. All these shows aren't for everyone. That's why I put them on the Saturday night slot. They come out. I sometimes don't even promote them as much as I would normally do it. I just do these things for me. For me. And working on some other stuff, too. Uh, yeah, the, I don't want this intro just to become a commercial for my life. But, yeah, they're working on some other stuff, uh, hopefully announce. Uh, putting some other creativity uh, out in the world. Put some creative stuff down. The pen to paper, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I can't do any of this without my Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash Uh Any level is a wonderful, wonderful treat to me. It helps keep this business afloat, keeps the light on. Uh, uh, and I want to especially thank my executive producer supporters, David Hamm. Uh, that's DJ Snacks. Like, don't even call him David Ham, Mr. Ham. Don't even call him Mr. Ham. Call him Snacks. Real Snacks Attack. Uh, very good, very good dude. And uh, uh, appreciate his support. Thomas Rizzling, he also does some work with us on Casterly Talk. Lethal Logan X, Matthew Simon, Bedore, Matthew Thompson, Donald Long, Nathan Ovendale, Zach Anderson, Ty Schallenberger, and then House Butter. Tamor, Abdul, and Rafa now are on the team as executive producers. Uh, House Butta is uh, uh, a, a strong family that is to come out to support uh, the Knapsack Files in general. And I love them all to death, though they do leave the Knapsack Files boardroom really messy after meetings. We're about ready to start the show. Really, uh, this is going to be a good one. I'm excited to present this one to you. We're going to take a quick break because uh, that also keeps the lights on, but I just wanted to chat with all of you. Hope to see you all soon at some live shows, uh, comedy. I'm really excited to be back out there doing some comedy as that starts to pick up full speed as well. So that is it for right now. As the intro goes, the show will begin after this quick break. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. We're here broadcasting in Burbank. Welcome back to the Napsack Files. I've got, you know I'm always going to say it, a great guest, but I'm really intrigued by this guest today. Mark Turi is here. Uh, Mark is a, uh, he's someone who's gone from a, Supporter, a listener of some of the shows I've done, including this one here, Schmo's No, Schmo Down, to someone I have broken bread with before, clinked a drink, and heard a story, and he is visiting, and he reached out and was like, hey, I, I think i got an interesting story to tell, and I was like, yeah, you do, and we're going to talk about it, so please welcome to the Knapsack Files, from the Great White North, Mark Terry, how are you doing, my friend? Great, Ken. Oh, so oh, far. let me click that back on for Do it again. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, I always, I always mute the mics. And I got to remember, my old radio training hasn't kicked in for that. <laughs> Welcome, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm in Southern California. It's like one of my favorite places in the world. So, you know, just driving around in my Corolla <laughs> that I rented, you know, on, on La Cienega Avenue was great. You know, a good uh, Corolla trip is good. <laughs> I want to start there. You you are not, a, you know, it's not that you're not familiar sure. with uh, L.A. You lived out here for I a couple did, of years, yeah. right? I lived out so. here for two and a half years and I went to Santa Monica College from yeah. 2009 to 2011. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, I lived on the west side, and Ooh, like it's, it's changed dramatically since I left. You if know, you, if you live in the west side, I cut you out of my life. So uh, 
It's a drive out Listen, here. I can tell you. Yeah. Like, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to get out here. But you are uh, based in uh, mostly uh, Canada. Yes. Canadian, as I accidentally say, often throughout my life. Or Kenmerica. Which Kenmerica. Is an old, that's an old Phil Hartman sketch that's from back right. in the 88 or 87 yeah. when uh, Canada takes over America and they call it Kenmerica. I love that. Yeah. love Hartman. You and I are on oh, the comedy. I love Phil Hartman. Same yeah. comedy wavelength. We're talking about the kids in the hall. And what? So talk about where you were born and raised in in, in Canada. Let's start yeah. with your journey there. So I was born uh, in a place called North York, and um, North York is, again, the north part of Toronto. Toronto used to be called York, so North York is oh, just the no- northern area. And uh, I grew up in a suburb called Markham, and Markham mm-hmm. is basically, you know, considered to be like uh, one of the greatest places to raise a family in the country. It's got a lot of um, businesses there. Sony is there. Timex is there. There's like a, you know, a lot of high tech type of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it was good. I mean, I had family from Eastern Europe. There's a huge history there. One of the reasons I'm so involved in history and studying history, but you know, like a lot of that. And I had a, I had like a pretty difficult childhood in one way, but I had Mm. a very, very loving family. Got it. So, you know, it was that balance of, I was sick a lot and it came with a lot of like, physical pain, emotional pain. But then at the same time, I could not have asked for more loving grandparents, you know? So they were very supportive. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's like yeah, the physical yeah. part, the emotional like, part, but I, then the actual family part's different. Right? I had an ideal childhood other yeah. than the emotional and physical yeah, pain. Pretty much. <laughs> Thanks for good on the streets of North <laughs> my, Toronto. My humor's a little dry sometimes. But <laughs> no, I appreciate that. No, no, that's, you, you found a good home there yeah, for right. that there. Um, <laughs> so uh, growing up, uh, how, you know, I, I, how different is it? How different is it growing up in this great white north, this beautiful paradise that we always are told Canada is and then looks like it in pictures? But what's the differences? So I never, ever, ever enjoyed living in Canada, like just personally. <sighs> yeah. Because I hate the cold. Like I could not be on Hoth. I'm yeah, just yeah. letting you know. If it's between the rebellion and the empire, I'm going where there's air conditioning. You, and me you know both. what I mean? I mean, I enjoy I, the cold, but listen, I need some AC. Yeah, and once the once the Republic comes back, I'll switch. It's fine. I'm, <laughs> I have no loyalty. Um, but I can't do those extremes. Yeah. And I, I just did not like growing up in the cold. So whenever okay. I would watch like a movie that would take place in Southern California, it just seemed like paradise to me. The fact that right, right. people never saw snow their whole yeah. lives. Oh, I've, I've met a few of those people. Yeah, like that's yeah. cool to me. Like I want to be that person because I don't, <laughs> I don't like the fact that in 1994 I had to walk to school in in, in a six foot, six foot like blizzard of tall snow. And anyway, it's like insane. It's the old joke come to life. 30 degrees below below zero and just awful. So for me, my parents are from, you know, more milder climates. And so are my grandparents. So I think I... I was like someone from the Mediterranean that was just popped into Canada and didn't know how to deal with it because I'm basically like first generation Canadian-ish, maybe second as well. But like... I was just, I've never gotten used to that kind of a cold. And and every winter, it's just not fun. But you're still there. Well, that's one of the reasons I moved here. (laughs) (laughs) You did come out, yeah. Yeah, I did, and I tried. I mean, again, being from another country, and at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get visas and stuff was was a bit difficult. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things. It's like, it's not the worst thing in the world as I get older. I'm thinking, you know, there's there's so many things in Canada growing up in a... In a country that is, I, I, I like to say that there are many great countries in the world, not just one. Yeah. So on my list of the great countries of the world, Canada's on there, the United States is on there, plenty of plenty of places in Europe that I've been to are amazing too. Right. So, you know, obviously uh, I, mm. <laughs> I might not enjoy the weather, but I would say other than that, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? There are some things Good that... Place. 
just for me was a bit of an annoyance yeah. that's n- I'm not yet at the age of 36 used to. Yeah. And I probably won't ever be used to the weather. But again, that's like one thing that happens. Maybe if, we, if, if we're not lucky, we might get six months of winter every year yeah. or maybe five. But yeah. again, <laughs> truly in the north, I try. I'm really trying to stay positive with this stuff because the winter <laughs> just keeps me down. There's man. a lot of deep things we <laughs> could get into with your life. I know. And, and here it is like it's cold. And that's the biggest yeah. problem I have. Oh, yes. It's cold. And it's miserable, too. Like, yeah. it's not just like, it's hard to explain because um, if mm. you're just not used to it and you're never, ever, ever used to it, it's it's not fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially being a kid and having to go outside at recess. And I'm not right. an athletic kid, you know, so it was like, I never wanted to go outside for recess. I never understood why I had to do that. Yeah. I was fine just reading my book in, my, in the classroom for Hot 15 Hot chocolate minutes. by the fire yeah. at the uh, ski lodge. That's yeah. just, yeah. That's fair. That's exactly. Fair. But, you know. In terms of, I want, I do want to get into a little comedy and there's bigger sure. things to get into, but we were talking off air about kids in the hall. You yes. saw the book I have right yep. now, uh, uh, by Paul Myers, Mike Myers brother is mm-hmm. the story of kids in the hall. My, uh, absolutely one of my favorite, um, uh, comedy troops. Yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting to me cause I have this perspective of Canada and then also mm-hmm. the UK as an American born, California born and raised mm-hmm. guy who, a kid who loves Saturday Night Live and all those things. I look at Monty Python. And I look at the Office UK and all, some other things that have popped up. Then I look at at, at Canada and just uh, Canadian comedy in, in general and kids in the hall. And I have this weird ro- romantic view of it. Yeah. And there was a while after high school, I was like, I think I'm going to go do Second City in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. And Dan Aykroyd's, Dan Aykroyd's like mm-hmm. my all-time favorite SNL guy, along, you know, along with a lot of others, of course. But and here he is. He's he's uh, Canada through and through. Right. Uh, well, unless you count, you know, I'm sure he's on some alien spacecraft right now. But oh, <laughs> Did you, was it, 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 do you feel that grown up? You said you went to a kids in all table and I want to talk about that. Or do you, or do you look South and go, man, I wish I was like those LA comics. Well, I got to be honest with you. I probably watch more, way more American TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, the weird thing too, it's like when I came out here and I started doing acting classes, I realized that I had a Canadian accent because I I watched American television Mm -hmm. all the time. And I didn't realize that I had an accent or even that people in America had an accent. I just thought we all spoke the same. Sure. But at the same time, like, yeah. And Canada's a bit strange in that sense. So we're kind of like, and Canadians will hate this, but we we have to tell the truth. We're half British, half American. There's no way around it. Right. We have our own thing, and that's absolutely, you know, yeah. that whatever Canadian is, yeah. is like half British and half American. So when I was growing up, I could have, you know, I could watch the original Whose Line Is It Anyway? with yeah, uh, Clive, Anderson. Clive Anderson. Yes. Um, uh, Red Dwarf was really big. Father yeah. Ted was really big. Monty Python was really big. But mm. then I grew up with, um, you know, and be see TV. Like I grew yeah. up with friends in Seinfeld and I remember Jonathan's uh, uh, Silverman, Silverman had the single, single guy, guy <laughs> with Ernest yes. Borgnine. I remember Deborah Messing had uh, Ned and Kelly. Do you yeah. remember that? Yes, I do. So yeah. those like sitcoms when, yeah. when I was maybe 10, 12 years old, Saturday Night Live being a mm. huge one. Yeah. I started watching those and I really got into it and I discovered through the early days of the internet that like most of the things were actually filmed in Burbank or at least yeah. filmed in and around. So like I had this idea, he's yeah. talking about having an idea of Canada. Yeah. I had this idea of Southern California, specifically of Burbank yeah. of like, it was just like, everybody here was an actor, which for the I most case is probably true. But yeah. It cases. seems like that more than, yeah. Yeah. But seems you know like what I mean, it just seemed, and it seemed like, that's like amazing. A, like a fantasy land. Like this, yeah. this, this was the place where people went to shoot movies and that was cool. Yeah. And you had Warner brothers. And of course, growing up, 
you know, with the Looney Tunes and all that. Like I always wanted to go to, you know, Warner Brothers, which I got, you know, I did, a, did the tour did thing. Did the tour you know? thing. You can pass so, it on Barham yeah. and uh, see it. Yeah. Well, because, so, yeah, again, watching kids in the hall, I mean, that's my sense of what Canada is. They're very uh, Canadian through and through. Yes, yeah. uh, as is, you know, let's not forget Lauren Michaels comes down here to create SNL that's with correct. us. Um, so I, it, it only makes sense. And it, and it's, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's a time honored trope almost of let's go to sunny California, LA, Hollywood, where dreams are made. Uh, so you decide to come down here. What gets into this decision to go to Santa Monica? Yeah. So North Toronto, I mean, seriously, Santa Monica is paradise, you know? So it's like, that was like, I knew that city. I knew that college It's a great college. And I had actually graduated broadcasting, um, in, in Canada, college itself is a little bit different from the United States. Mm. Um, we're more like the British where we get into what's called a cohort. Mm. So basically the program is we might have 30 students. So you're with those 30 students for two to three years. Uh, my program was a three-year program. Some are two years as it would be here in the U.S. Mm. So um, my transition was I actually came out here because I wanted to go to university, mm. um, which I'm working on like now, years okay. later. Um, and through the process of of some opportunities that I thought I might have had in the future with an AA degree, yeah. I just decided to pursue the AA side. Got it. And I had about a year to find a find work out here, something that might give me like some stable work visa or employment. And I, I applied out here for at least like six to eight months, and I just couldn't find anything. Um, nothing that would lead to that next step. And so, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was really hard leaving. I have to be honest with you, but at the same time, as years have gone on, I I feel like I love coming out here and it's not like I can't. So, you know, who knows what the future holds, but even if I'm just coming out here for a week or 10 days at a time, I'm still really happy because I have so many friends that I made out here. You're not a stranger in a strange land. No. And again, I went, came out here to study film. So the idea was to go to Santa Monica college and then maybe transfer to one of the Cal state schools. So I was looking at Cal state LA or Cal state Northridge. Yeah. Um, and of course you have to get those courses before, like you yeah, need yeah. Um, prerequisite courses to get into university. So it was this big kind of process thing that kind of led me into a, another direction yeah. while I was here. But I have to say, I, I worked at like, I worked on lots. I had internships. One was yeah, on the okay. Sony lot. One was on the Fox lot. It, that was the most incredible thing that had ever happened to me in my life. Yeah. Like I, the first day I went to Sony just to do the job interview, I could not believe that I, they let me on the premises. <laughs> Like, I was like that person. I was like, does people know that, like, my grandfather, like, mm. came to Canada with $2 and had to shine <laughs> shoes to buy a ticket from Halifax to Toronto because yeah. he didn't have any money didn't to get there? Money. And, yeah. you know, it's like in my, my other, my, my dad and my grandparents literally escaped Hungary and they, you know, went through a minefield to, yeah, yeah. to get through the, to, to Austria and because they left in That's, 56 and all this kind of stuff. Like, okay. So, like, you know, poor family, refugee family. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm looking around at, like, the sound stages where they filmed, like, the first Spider-Man movie. And I'm like, wow. Like, even if I don't, like, I thought to myself, even if I don't get this job. Yeah. Like I still felt amazing. You, you got know to what experience I mean? it. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, and totally. I, it's those little things that for me, like, because when I was growing up, it was really tough being learning disabled and having mm. a lot of physical problems. So like, I never thought in a million years I would yeah. be able to even just get an internship for college credit at yeah. a studio 
And it was it was amazing. And like yeah. one day, you know, one day I see Will Smith at the commissary, and this person and that person, and Ron Howard, and you what, know what I mean? It's so weird. What like kind of was, snacks does Smith have? Oh well, he was walking out. I don't know, but Ron <laughs> Howard was eating like a salad or something, and Good I wanted him. to go. Oh, excuse me, my screenplay. It's just going <laughs> to fall into your hands, sir. <laughs> you oh, you're Ron Howard. Oh, you're Ron Howard. Can Sorry, I my pitch, screenplay fell in your you, salad. Can I pitch you a screenplay? It's kind of about me, but <laughs> it's also a little broad. You know, it's a little Canadian boy <laughs> yeah. in the in the big city. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. It's literally just an hour and a half of me looking with bright eyes around, you know. <laughs> Your family came over 56. That's, uh, yeah, so my, my grandparents came over 51 okay. from Russia, mm-hmm. Ukraine, all that stuff to Austria as well. Austria yeah. was kind of the, 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 the holding point, the, the rendezvous point. That's right. Graz, Austria for them specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always interesting. Yeah, well, you, I, I think I take for granted that I, I am, like my father wasn't born here. Okay. I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm the first uh, knapsack on this, born on this, on these soil, soils and shores. That's yeah. kind of, does that, does that, um, how does that, does that affect you at all in any way? Feeling I'm, like yeah, I'm going to make a name for myself for so, my grandparents. So my dad was born in Hungary and my mom, uh, she was born in Toronto. So it was my grandmother, mm. but my grandfather came from, and it's a controversial thing to say with, with Greece because, um, we call ourselves Macedonians, yeah. uh, ethnic Macedonians. Greeks think we're Bulgarians, Bulgarians think we're Bulgarians, but we think we're different kind of thing. Sure. So, uh, the villages are basically in Northern Greece, which at the time was the Ottomans. They were just, when wow. the Greeks took over, they were just wiping people off the map and yeah. they had to leave. So yes, there is that added pressure of being like, well, my father wanted to be a filmmaker he actually kind of got into the industry in Toronto from um, the car business, which is what he was okay. in. So he sold Dan Aykroyd, for example, a car. What? He sold. He sold. Uh, Dan Aykroyd did some weird movie with Jack Lemmon in '96. They were playing Neighbors. Like, um, yes, it was this weird Neighbors movie, which he did with John Belushi years before, and it was yeah. like '96. Lily Tomlin. So my dad sold. Uh, that production cars. And then my dad also sold cars to, uh, in the, is it in the mouth of madness, the Sam Neill or in the mind of madness, in the mouth of madness, the John Carpenter movie. Right. Right. So we always had like a little, like a foot in the door, like every, maybe twice a year, my dad would, would be, you know, shuttling people from his dealership. Um, yeah. To note, my dad's dealership was basically the only Cadillac dealership for a long time in Toronto. Wow. So they would transport people to set. They would pe- pick people up from the airport, drive them to fancy hotels. So my dad had like that foot in there. And so, in but other than that, you know, he knew people that had also worked with yeah. like David Cronenberg and stuff. But I think the movie you know. is My Fellow Americans. That's what <laughs> we're looking it, yeah. at. Okay. Lemon and Aykroyd, 96. Okay. 96. 96, yes. Yeah, for okay. those trivia buffs out there, there there's also... Getting away with murder, which was also '96. Lemon wow. and Aykroyd really working hard to with each other <laughs> in '96. This might be more. Oh yeah, this is the one. A moral college ethics professor plans to kill his neighbor, a Nazi right. death camp commander. That's it. That's the one. That's the one. That Lily Tomlin, Tom. Jack Lemon. So if you see anybody wow. driving a car, and if it's a GM car, so Olds, Buick, yeah, I guess Buick is GM. Anyway, any any anything in there, then that yeah. was probably my dad and his team. Of salesmen or a team of salesmen, and so that again, so he gets a little bit, way, yeah, yeah. And then you also know, like, um, my my f- uh, my father met like Catherine O'Hara many years ago yeah. because she would do the corporate gigs for GM Canada. Yeah. And my dad told me a story one time about how like she would just do like a one woman show, and she She's was just amazing. just knock the roof off the whole building. She's and, amazing. Yeah, yeah, singing, dancing, acting, doing comedy, stand up yeah. in one like a one hour in front yeah. of a corporate gig and just did everything. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Like a little bit of some yeah. indirect way. Indirect 
into not, the industry. Not, not pressure, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But not pressure I, on you to carry say, on some. But legacy, I would yeah. say too, yeah, there yeah. there certainly was when I said to my you know my parents I wanted to go into film. It was almost like there was an expectation. Yeah. There was a pressure, which I then put on myself for many years. Okay, so you know, like. And you, you clearly yeah. love history because you roll off stuff about the Ottomans and their maneuvers. Oh, yeah. um, that When did that set in? That kind of grabs you uh, young. You start pulling the books off the shelves. You know, my my grand my grandparents are the number one reason why I'm at university right now studying history because yeah. they lived through so much. My yeah, yeah. my mother's father lived through not only just World War One, but when he was growing up in Bulgaria, he lived through the two Balkan Wars. Yeah. And then he also lived through what's called the Turkish War of Independence or mm-hmm. the Greco-Turkish War. So I, I estimate my my grandfather lived through like four different or five different wars before he turned 18. Wow. Which is like, because I remember when yeah. I was 18, I didn't know if I, oh, what yeah. college I wanted to go to. No, yeah. It was like the stupidest thing, whereas my grandfather was literally a survivor of four different wars. Now, I don't know yeah. exactly what he did or if he experienced anything, but his village. It's around, did, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I, I, he never really talked about it, mm. but there was a, a strong ethnic cleansing that happened in 1912 uh, and 13 sure, yeah. on the on the half of the Greek government, which... Uh, took over what was called Western Macedonia. And within that, there's a region called Castoria. And that is where my grandparents come from. Now, yeah. we know it by Slavic names. Sure. I, personally, I don't care. Greek, Slavic. I took my DNA a little while ago. I am Greek. I am Slavic. I have yeah. no problem saying that. Yeah. I'm not a Macedonian nationalist. If you want to call me a Bulgarian, I don't care. <laughs> like, good. you know what I mean? It's one yeah. of these things. But I yeah. like saying the word Macedonian because that's just part of my family. Sure. So, all those political things, like it just got to like, got me interested. You want to understand yeah. it too, where, yeah. yeah. And then my, my other grandfather on my, my dad's father, he was a Holocaust survivor. And unfortunately my great grandparents were killed in the Holocaust. Oh, wow. So I didn't know that until maybe I was about 13 years old, you know, teenager. And from there, I just always wanted to know like why. And mm. so that's basically mm. what I'm doing now. I'm trying to study some of the ideas um, that were behind the, the mm-hmm. ideas behind the First World War, especially, which would be nationalism, right. socialism, communism. Yeah. So I'm studying, like, who were the people? What were they thinking about? Why were they believing in these things? So it's, it's heavy, heavy stuff. I mean, I've read, yeah. like, 60 books this year. Woo. Yeah, a you're lot not, of You're not reading nice little Star Wars books oh, like no, I am. No. <laughs> I mean, you, you should learn about the rebellion against the Empire and put that in your studies Listen, as well. I have a strong bias against the Empire. <laughs> That's fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't look that I have an imperial hat over there on the desk. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know, I, I don't study it, uh, never did study it to your degree, but just, you know, hearing the stories from now my late grandfather passed away last yeah. year and, and my grandmother's still alive, but just, uh, you know, him, he's Circassian, and mm-hmm. which uh, I used to grow up saying it's Russian, but really that's not. Oh, no, and no. the Russians <laughs> didn't like the Circassians, and that's uh, why he got beat up by them when he was held captive by the Nazis, and then yeah. he ends up in the, in the Nazi army because they told him, guess what you're doing? Doing, oh, yes. death or the Nazi army. So fascinating stuff to me. So, but you kind of want to understand it and understand what they went through. Yeah. I, there's, there's one thing I love world war two movies. Uh, while I think the thin red line is the better movie. And that mm. is a controversial statement. Saving private Ryan has a really dark and very real scene right after they stormed the beach. Yeah. There's two men in German uniforms that are coming towards one of the guys who was in the Navy Beach Battalion and, and another guy who's a ranger. And they're both speaking Czech. 
Right. And in Czech, which is a language I'm learning right now for histor historical purposes, they're basically saying, we're not Germans, we're Czech, we didn't do anything. Yeah. And that's when they shoot them. And then he says, look, we washed for supper. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's yeah. asking, what do you say? What do you say? So that was a huge reality. And when you look at what was called the German foreign legions, yeah. you had people that were ethnic Tartars, which part mm. of my grandfather was an ethnic Tartar. Um, ethnic Armenians, ethnic Georgians, ethnic uh, Caucasian people like the Circassians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and most of them were either forced in or yeah. they just hated the Russians so much that the Nazis were the lesser of two evils in their eyes. In their eyes, yeah. And it's for me, like, again, like, you know, being Jewish and stuff like that, and I know your grandfather's story, yeah. my, also my great uncle, which was my father's mother's brother yeah. he was also forced to serve yeah. in the hungarian army so a lot of people have come up to me and said that like the especially when i lived in germany and would talk about their grandfathers and they always felt a little shy but what i always say is like look like it's been um, it's been almost 100 years it's been yeah. like 75 years and so many people were like feared for their lives yeah that like i can understand that if they did something terrible yeah. that's one thing but at the same time if you were forced you know what I mean? Yeah. If you were, and if you were told that your village and your family would be murdered, like most of the time, anyways, like they would not even shoot at people. Like they, would, right. you know, like there was a lot of stuff like that. Stories yeah, yeah, of people yeah. that would not fire at the allies. They'd they'd they would potentially miss or or absolutely you know, and stuff like this. So yeah, it, it, there's a lot of ambiguity. It, you know, it's in weird. History. It's weird. Yeah, it, it's not like uh, Mark and I are saying uh, you know there's nice people on any sides with yeah. the Nazi army. No, no, no. Don't don't get us wrong. But yeah, it's yeah. I'd hear his stories. His final battle yeah. um, against the French and fleeing and leaving and yeah. deserting uh, the Nazi army because it, this was his way out. And yes. and he, he told me I I heard the gunfires and I and I heard my name being called by a, 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 a fellow soldier of mine who was dying next to me and I never knew what happened to him and I fled and jumped. And yeah. that, that, as he says, that was the war for me. It was yeah. over. But, but yeah, because you talk, they, the Russian army, he said they treated everyone so horrible, yeah. horrible. And then the, that the German army, it was like, ah, oh, you want your luxurious uh, cabin and your boots and this? Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, but yeah, he was forced. It was death, death or or fight. Yeah. So, and, and because of then after it, that's why, you know, to this day, he, or till, till his dying day, could not go back and, to Russia, they wouldn't yeah. allow him. Yeah. What he was on, his name was on a list, and um, he tried to go when his mother passed away in the early '80s, and they would not allow him to go back. Yeah. Uh, and I joke, I'm like, I'm the last knapsack in the world. I don't want to go find out if Putin still has my name. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'd be okay, but I don't, you know, you know, I don't know. It's, don't don't open that door. <laughs> don't open that door. But it's fascinating yeah. stuff. So you have all that in your head. Yeah. But you also want to be in the film industry. Still, you're still. Mm -hmm. I mean, you still have these kind of aspirations. You got some great stories to tell, sir. Yeah, I mean, listen. I um, I never thought in a nobody ever thought my, I I was you know one of the things um, we can talk about it too is I yeah. did con contribute a couple pages to a, a really special book on um, the X Men cartoon which is called Previously on X Men mm. written by Eric and Julia Leewald um, I submitted a, a personal story just oh, of yeah, yeah. dealing with bullying and stuff like that I've met that they're the creators of the yeah, series right yeah they're wonderful they're, people uh, they're absolutely amazing and that show yeah. they had no, of course they had no idea the mm. impact it would have at the time mm. but there were so many kids that just like especially with with me, it was like really the only thing that I ever wanted to do. I never wanted to go to school really because mm. everyone was, you know, uh, mean and bullying. But yeah. like for a half an hour on Saturday, it was that thing that just took me out of my life and it yeah. was unbelievable. But the point um, is like when you're, you know, when you're bullying and stuff like this, you just, at one point you kind of like, 
think to yourself, like maybe, like maybe I can't do something. So right. when you when you end up doing something that's really interesting, yeah, it, it's it's more meaningful to me because people always told me when I was a kid, like I wouldn't amount to anything. I hear this all the time. <sighs> yeah, you know, you can't do this. I had a psychologist tell me one time that I was I was ordinary and I would do something ordinary with my life. A psychologist, a tells psychologist you this? told me that uh, that was part of my college in Canada. I had a psych, you know, one of these yeah. because I have a learning disability. I had like an evaluation, okay, and that was kind of one of the conclusions. I'm just, I'm just an ordinary person. Okay. And so I kind of, maybe out of arrogance or maybe out of a little naiveness, I'm like, I'm going to be different kind of thing. I wouldn't call that arrogance. But (laughs) however, however, but you know what I mean? I just, I always kind of didn't want to do things that were quote unquote typical or ordinary. And I always wanted to sort of find my own routes somewhere. And uh, being accepted is also a big part of, uh, you know, the litter themes that will come up later with uh, with Scientology and stuff like that. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to start though. So you've mentioned a couple times learning disability. Uh, Are you comfortable talking about specifically what you had? Yeah, I have have Asperger's syndrome. So it's uh, it's on the spectrum. Um, When I was growing up, they didn't have a word for it. So they called it a sequencing disorder. So order and putting things into order, I can't remember. So if you give me five things to do at once, I won't remember. But if you write them down or if I actually write them down and right. think in my head how I'm going to do them, I yeah. will remember. And so that was just called a sequencing disorder. Now it's called Asperger's, Asperger's. along with other things. Other things, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was reading diffi- was difficult for me. Reading aloud was very hard for me. Yeah. I was also very tall. I'm 6'5". Yeah, you're a big, you're a big so, cat, man. Yeah, I was six feet tall when I was 12. I was very lanky. I have, yeah. I'm, I have kind of a back issue too. So, you know what I mean? Like I just, when I was developing and, and maturing and whatever, when I was maybe 10 to 15 years old, yeah. my body changed and yeah. it just, it, it developed into a couple of disabilities, unfortunately, but I never really wanted that to like hold me back. I just, I always wanted to just do something different, you know? Can you explain life before you really know what you're working with? Yeah. Uh, and then after, and is there, a, I'm, I'm coming from a complete naive point sure. of view. Is there some sort of, not, not enlightenment, but a, but like, a, oh, this is okay. Yeah. Now I know where to go from here. Now I know what to work with or overcome. And these, you know what I mean? That dividing yeah. line. Yeah. What it's like, you all, I always knew there was something different about me. And, sure. and of course I never knew what it was. And then when I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome somewhat recently, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Okay. And so once, once I knew that, then I started to think like, okay, if, if I'm going to do something for myself, mm-hmm. that's really easy. But if someone else is going, like if I'm in a work position, uh, work situation yeah. and especially on film, if it's a high, kind of a high pressured situation, there are strategies that I would have to right. deal with. So one, it would be, I write everything down. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So if I'm on, well, I've been on productions before. And again, sometimes you do get five orders at once for me. Sure. I've just learned to write everything down and ask as many questions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it does annoy people, but in the end, if, if you do what they want and you explain to a, uh, to a boss, even a, even someone who's like a first AD, yeah. this is sort of how I learn or whatever. People are pretty okay. Like they, they just want to get, they want you to feel comfortable, especially if you're there doing yeah. a job and, it's just little strategies, Ken. Like, yeah. it's sort of hard. I guess it's kind of hard to explain, but it's it's no. mostly it's mostly learning just about how you learn and yeah, why well that, you're different. I, no, you know? you're hitting exactly what I yeah. mean in the sense of of if you are in if you keep hitting a brick wall and you're like, yeah. wow, what is this thing in front of me? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's this. Here's how I can get over around sure. it through it. You're that's what I that's exactly what I mean. And if you're on a PA, if you're a PA or working any level of production mm-hmm. on a set, it's intense. <laughs> 
and ad's barking we got to get the shot up in a minute and, mm-hmm. and they and they give you it's not the old joke of a coffee order but that could be it but it could be anything yep. uh yeah they might be firing it down i could see why they'd be like why are you writing this down kid yeah and but you gotta be very confident in who you are and you gotta be good yeah. too and the thing yeah. is what i've always learned is saying like words like please and mm-hmm. thank you and you're welcome and mm-hmm. Especially here in the United States, I find "sir" is very important. Yeah, yeah. we we are little. I mean, it, it, so when I came out here and I was working on my internships, it wasn't in production; it was mostly development. Yeah, it was thank you. I would hold open doors for people, and people would look at me like weird. Like, it was, yeah, yeah, it's very strange <laughs> sometimes in LA when you hold a door open for someone. Now I've done. Yeah, I've yeah. been around, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the last couple, you know, couple of days, and, and and people don't look as weird. I don't think, but at the no. same time. You know, like just being quote unquote polite, not yeah. taking things too seriously. If you mess up, everybody does. If you get yelled at, everybody gets yelled at. Yeah. Like it's just not a big deal. It's more like how you take somebody's orders. You have mm. to have a smile on your face. You just, it's not personal. So don't take it personally. Right. And especially on film set. Everybody is tense. So yeah. even your best friend, if they're a director, they could be yelling at you in two in two minutes or three minutes because of some time is money and then it's it, not yeah. personal. Yeah. Like that's the first, that's the that's big thing. So for me, it was always just trying to be like trying to disarm people. Mm-hmm. So I also find sometimes too, when somebody is really angry at you and you just respond and say, you're right. I appreciate what you've said. Thank you so much. I will do a better job next time. I, you know, and yeah. just acknowledging what they're saying and, and getting it and not being flippant yeah. and not being like, oh, why is he yelling at me? You know, yeah, yeah. I dropped this, but who cares? You know, <laughs> like it's that kind of thing where you yeah. just have to see someone eye to eye. And I find if yeah. you are just a little bit more polite, that person is disarmed a little because, yeah. and they're like, oh, well, that guy's kind of a nice guy. So maybe, yeah, you know maybe. what I mean? And you, I, I you were never get, been truly more Canadian than this moment. Exactly. <laughs> And it what, works. How to solve life problems? Be a little more polite. Be polite. Be a little man. polite. But that's yeah, look, I, and seriously. kudos, kudos to you. This whole stuff. Now, now it's even added to this moment. You're on set, on a, on a lot, on Sony internship, yeah. whatever. Doesn't matter. You're there <laughs> because people have told you you wouldn't be there, yeah, and much. and you you were uh, dealt a little something that is not a, not a bad deck. You were dealt mm-hmm. your hand yes. that you're playing with, and you know how to win with that hand. Mm-hmm. So now it it means even that much more. Yeah, and the other thing too. The end of the day, you have to be you have to be comfortable with yourself. Yeah. And as someone who like had so many problems with my back and, mm. and growing and all these kind of things, I never really like I never really thought that I looked or even acted like other people. Mm. And so the thing is you gotta you gotta it sounds like a cliche, but you you gotta you gotta love you gotta like yourself. Not necessarily love because that's narcissism. Yeah. But you gotta really like yourself and you gotta find out those things that you can do really well mm-hmm. that you also really enjoy doing. Yeah. And you gotta show that to people. You can't like especially if you wanna be in film, if you wanna be a writer, yeah. you like I, how many screenplays I've freaking written and they're all secret. Nobody no one's yeah. gonna read them because <laughs> you know I'm too fragile. Sure. But you gotta be open to that. Like, okay, if I'm gonna write something, if I'm gonna do something, the first time is ne- you're not gonna be perfect. Right. So if right. you write your first screenplay and you you miss some thing that some screenwriter and some book tells you to do and you somebody reads it and they say hey that thing that that person says to do whatever it is yeah. you've missed it 
all you have to do is just read what you're supposed to do and then go back to your story and do it. It's not it's not like a big deal. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. first screenplay, everybody's first yeah, movie yeah. in many cases, it's, sometimes it's not great. I mean, yeah. but then, then again, at the same time, right? Like that's the whole point is to grow. Yeah. Like you're supposed to grow and, and every that's, that's life. Like that's life. you're not going to get it the first time. Right. Like, you know, your first, if you're an actor and you're on your first audition and you get your first role, that's great, but that yeah. doesn't happen every day. So you got, you got to start yeah. from zero and then you got to work your way to 10. It's, you're not going to start at 10. You have a great perspective. You know? Is this because of some of the stuff you've dealt with growing up and everything? You just figure, you know, I've, I've earned, I've earned this, this place of, of, of self, not to the self-confidence. Yes. But also liking myself. You've earned it. You've earned it. Well, listen, uh, I went through many, many years of just beating up on myself, being very hard on myself. And in the end, it's like, just I, screw it. Like I just, who yeah. can, like I, I'm only myself. Like, and as I get older too, like I try to surround my, with myself, with people that I actually yeah. like. You know what I mean? Because it's because you know you know when you're in school. Like I don't know about you, but when I was in school, there'd be thirty people in my classroom. I might have had one friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I had no friends, so it was like in the end, I was all almost always like in my room by myself. You know, playing the X Men video game on Super Nintendo or whatever, or listening to music or whatever, just playing Mario Paint on the SNES. Like that's what I was doing all the time, reading comic books, whatever. And in the end, it's like when you're with yourself a lot, you get to know yourself and. The problem is, though, all of your sort of disadvantages and your, and your, your you know, characteristics you don't like, you get to know easy, yeah, like easier. Yeah. But I think as I get older, it's just with age, you just get more comfortable. Yeah. And, and there's certainly people out here in Los Angeles and also back home in Toronto because I do have, you know, quite a, quite a good support system there. But it's more like I'm around people that actually want to be around me. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be, be around, around you. Yeah, yeah that's key. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I, again, like even when I lived out here, I never really went to like networking parties or any of these things yeah. because it's just not for me. And I, I just, I'm never not a hugely sociable person. Like mm. I know that there's people that can get like a thousand numbers in their cell phones and <laughs> they're, they're just always texting people, Hey, let's work on a project. Yeah. But I'm not that kind of go getter type person. I'm a little bit more, okay. you know, shyer. I'm a little sure. bit, you know, a little uh, more introverted. Yeah. So in the end, it's like, Okay, like that's fine. Like I might have a writer's personality and I'm writing now. I'm not maybe writing screenplays, yeah, yeah. but I'm just doing something that's still writing. Yeah. It's I'm just moving from one medium to another. And the other medium that I'm doing now, I would say, regardless of how good or not good I was as a screenwriter, right. it doesn't matter. I'm I'm doing good now. Yeah. And, and I found that kind of outlet. And so history has always been my thing. Awesome. And so I think because I've been kind pretty successful in, in, in many ways in the past couple of years. Yeah. I just think like my perspective has kind of changed because yeah, well. I struggled. Like, you know how people yeah, struggle yeah. here in the film industry just to get something right or just to get to find your something. Button. And it's a lot of rejection. And eventually with some people it might grow on you that mm-hmm. you can't do something. Can't do it, it, whatever. Go home, yeah. But you know, when you start succeeding a little bit, it's nice. And it just, yeah. it's hum it's humbling. And, you know? and the journey to get to where you got to go, you know, I've had some, a lot of failures, had some successes, yeah. some recently, and it's like, I, I wouldn't have got to those, you know, perceived successes if I hadn't gone through a lot of failure. And that's it's exactly just, it. it's what it is, it's what it is. Yeah. You mentioned it. Let's dive into this here. <laughs> Along the way on your journey, uh, you uh, were part of uh, Scientology. I was, yeah. Uh, and we've had some kind of discussions off air. Uh, mm-hmm. You, me, and I believe our friend Tom Dagnino. Yes. I remember how one particular night at Barney's Beanery That's having this right. conversation. And it yeah. is infinitely fascinating. And this is not going to be a uh, Knapsack Files going clear sure. edition, but I, uh, I, you, you, you say whatever you're comfortable saying, but this mm-hmm. is 
it's a fascinating take to be in and to be out of Scientology. It is. Take us through this, my friend. So I graduated um, my first college program when I was 22, mm-hmm. and that was 2005. And uh, as I mentioned, um, I did eventually get to Santa Monica College in 2009. Mm -hmm. So between 2005 and 2008, I was a member um, of the Church of Scientology. I just was on vacation Mm. in the spring of 2005. I came out here my first time ever. And I spent a week out here. And again, it was awesome. I always wanted to come out here my whole life. Sun, no snow. No, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And driving around, I I had an Altima at the time, driving around a little, you know, and... um, yeah, I mean, I had a wonderful time, and then uh, went to went to Hollywood one day, and it just so happened to be that um, I was passing this building, which mm. is called the Hollywood Guarantee Building, mm. which is on Hollywood and Ivar, and at the bottom there oh, is yeah. a yeah. there is a, a museum to this quote unquote life of L. Ron Hubbard. It's not it's not his life. It's the life they think he led, yeah. and he told his followers that sure. he led. But at the time, again, being someone who just graduated, wanting to move to California, having that you know idea of like. I think I could have some success here. I was interested. I was you know, going to different colleges, yeah. different universities. Dreams, the, aspirations, yeah, goals. You know, watching, yeah. finding yourself. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. So that was the thing. And then, so within that, within that, there was a lot of uh, vulnerability at the time because, like, um, I had I had uh, finished an internship at a, a place called Deluxe, which is a whole thing mm. because I was like cusing dailies for four months, and that's oh yeah. yeah. That's just tiring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of rejection with that. I asked for a job. They didn't give me the job. And I had a, other, a couple other things, you know, family member passed away. My grandmother had passed away earlier mm. that year. So I sort of went out here and I was lost and I got swept up. You know, yeah, I, yeah. Went through, I went through the museum. It just, for whatever reason, they, whatever I asked them, like I said, could Scientology help me with this? And they're, they're trained to say yes at everything you sure. say. But, but so, beyond just yes, know. are they giving you answers enough to make you be- to believe? Not that the, the it's a magic trick or pill, sure, sure. but like we, it's easy to go, can you take care of this? Well, yes, we can. Yeah. Is that enough or do they give you something specific or general that makes you go, oh, let me go to the next step? Well, one of the things was wanting to move here. Yeah. And so they they made the, the promise. They had said like, you can work for the church. You can okay. come here on a visa and, you know, after a certain amount of time, you can apply for a green card, you know, what right. this kind of stuff. Which so very they, difficult to do. Exactly. So you're like, oh, here's a path. That, that's exactly it. Yeah. Now, not understanding that they make it a little bit more simplistic. Mm. And they're also trained. And I was trained because I eventually became a staff member in 2007 mm. after two years of being what's called a public. Okay. Um, and you, they just give you a lot of confidence. They mm-hmm. give you a lot of hope. They give you, they just know how to talk to you. They know how sure. to push those buttons. And I think what happens is when you're kind of in a state where you're sort of emotionally not, I don't want to say unstable, but you're mm-hmm. kind of vulnerable. Emotionally vulnerable. vulnerable. Is a good word. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're just, I just was like, wow, I can't believe that, you know, this is this hard process. But if I do this thing, here's this opportunity. And it seemed so clear. Right. Like this was the opportunity. And then I could see, you know, 10 years and 20 years into the future. And they were like really talking it up. And they were giving me names of, of acting teachers, yeah. and improv teachers and and, you know, just people that were Scientologists and producers and whatever. And it was like, wow, like I'd wa- I want to come here and be a part of this thing. Yeah. And because I'd it's what you want. Yeah, it's what exactly. you want paper. It's what you want. Exactly. Yeah. So that so I got in I, I, when I came back on as again, I was on vacation. So when I came back, I started courses okay. and that was at the end of May of 2005. And I stayed a member until May of 2008, wow. um, about three years. And as I mentioned earlier, there's there's different levels, what they call uh, levels of dedication. 
definition in Scientology. Sure. So the first one is you're a, a, pub, word. a public member. Yeah. So basically, you got to pay for your courses. You uh, got to go to the you know the, the quote unquote church, although they they don't really use the word church yeah. <laughs> internally. They use the word org or organization. Uh, then there are staff members, which I would eventually become, and then there are Sea Org members right, who, okay. who have the uh, the naval look, and they they're basically right. like a, like a priesthood and a fraternal organization. Um, so it, it just seemed like they were giving me not just what I wanted to hear, but the things that they were telling me that I could, like right. the opportunity. That was, I guess that's the word, right? Right. Well, because some of the things, you know, given a little purpose and hope and everything yeah. isn't in, in and of itself bad. Yeah. Uh, we all need that. And that all feels sure. good. That's why I'm saying at some point it makes some sense to me if you're like, you know, it isn't just that you're vulnerable, but they're also like, yeah. cool, we can make you feel better. Also, here is a path. That's it. You don't know the whole path, but here it is. We're shining a light on this yeah. to get you where you want to go. That, I mean, I had never understand. heard of a religious worker's visa. Like, I, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so that that's exactly what it was. I mean, yeah. and so I was sold. And when I went back to Toronto, you start, when you're a Scientologist, you start mm. doing courses. Okay. So I started taking a couple courses. Again, two years later. The real moment, though, for me was that last year. Like mm. that, to me, was the make or break moment when um, I had moved to Berlin, and oh, yeah. I was uh, I was a staff member in Berlin, which which is this. They opened a big new church that was right. like forty seven thousand square feet, sure. eight floors, you know, whatever, and nobody, you know, nobody around. There's nobody doing anything. Right. It's just a big empty building, wow. uh, like most of their orgs. And I just I worked really really long hours. Um, I got paid. Next to nothing, I lost a heck of a lot of weight. Like this is the I developed a lot of illnesses. When you say that. work, what do you mean work? Well, I was in. Um, I was put in like the financial uh, area, okay. and I was basically the the org uh, the org bookkeeper. Okay. So I learned how to do little basic bookkeeping skills, and um, the department they call they have this whole thing in Scientology. Sure. It's called the org board. It's a whole thing. Kind of Google it. Sure. But um, what I was doing was essentially using software to balance the books, but it's such a bureaucratic nightmare that every time I would actually enter like any kind of data to balance the books, mm -hmm. there would be three times as much work. So gotcha. it was one of these systems where just the bureaucracy was insane. Yeah. And I worked, honestly, Ken, I worked from nine in the morning, sometimes past 11 p.m., five days a week. And on weekends I worked like 10, 11 hour days. Oh, like so schedule. I, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you but yeah, like 90, 90 hour work yeah. weeks, 120 hour work weeks. For nothing, for pennies. Uh, you know, the most I ever got paid was, was in euros. So like yeah. 85, 86 euros, maybe a hundred, hundred something dollars. Wow. And the, the least I got paid was 11. So I remember, and I specifically remember one week working about 115 hours and making yeah. 11 euros. So that's like eight cents an hour. So it's it's brutal. So and the I, dream is suddenly it, it, yeah. not what it is. And I'm in Berlin, and I'm not yeah. in L.A., and I was more depressed and you know more miserable than my entire life. Lost 70 pounds in nine months. Yeah. Lost 10 inches off my waist. Developed um, and not these aren't the good. These aren't the good ways. No, yeah. I, and I <laughs> no, and I was eating once a day. I've developed yeah. type two diabetes because of that. I also had back problems. Sure, there's something called compression fractures. 
I had two compression fractures in my back, which happens to like osteoporosis patients. Like it was, it was insane. You're breaking down. And and, yeah. The and body are, just, just. And are, are we hearing the things we're, we're hearing, you know, what in some of these documentaries or shows, all sure. these, all the stuff that's out there, you know, even that, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure I've seen some of it, but I don't know. Uh, are you hearing the, the, the cutting off of the families or anything mm-hmm. that, 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 that friends and all that stuff yeah, happening? It does. They, so, they say that disc, they, they'll have a, a saying, I'll say disconnection is not a policy. That's absolutely not true. They, okay. it, it's just easier for people to literally sure, get rid yeah. of their whole family mm-hmm. because the church puts, puts pressure on their parishioners or on their people to either get their whole family in Scientology or to get them to some kind of um, a level where they're they're agreeing with them, even if they don't support it. Mm-hmm. So the easiest thing for Scientologists, because Scientologists put so much pressure and pressure and pressure on their people. Mm-hmm. The easiest thing for people to do is to disconnect, and many, many people are ordered to do so. The church mm-hmm. denies this. There's mounds of evidence that says right. that that's not true. I have known people, the church have told people to disconnect. They disconnect, yeah. you know what I mean? So they're breaking up families that don't need to be broken up. They're not, you know, it's just terrible. And, like, nobody that I was on staff mm-hmm. with, 100-something people, had good relationships with their families. Nobody. Right. Because yeah, you can't you, have, you just can't. Because you, your family, you included? Yeah. You, well, my, I didn't really talk less? to my mom a lot. No. Okay. I, mean, I, I have a small family, sure. you know, so, and my sister I didn't really talk to. None of my friends, I, I mean, I was there for nine months. I think I might have spoken to one of my friends once. Did at any point you know? any of these friends in the conversation, like, what are you doing or... Uh, yeah, this is what they really are or anything like that. Did you hear any of that? And I'm sure you don't believe it at the time, even if sure. you do. I, I don't really recall, but I think I know I had like a, a friend of mine call my mom and basically just asking like, where, like, where was I? Like they hadn't, right. they hadn't heard from me for nine months, uh, yeah. but it's something like people care, you know, that's the other thing. Like sure. if you just disappear for, Six months. I, I hope and someone you have no contact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I give a couple you know months. I, mean? I hope some people start wondering where, where I am. Yeah. I'll take a couple months. <laughs> but you know what I mean. So you're feeling. Like, so you're yeah. in Berlin, and you're feeling the walls closing in because you're not necessarily out in front. You're not. You're not hanging out with Tom Cruise. Oh, you're no. not doing all this kind of stuff. No. Um, uh, so you're feeling you're, the walls are closing in in a different fashion. It seems, sure. and some of the more salacious stories I've heard. You know. Yeah. Right. Uh, take me to some of these moments where you're thinking, ah, this might not be for me like I thought. Well, working. <laughs> working for eight cents an hour is a start. Working for eight cents an hour, 30 hours straight. Yeah. Walking back to your apartment, feeling like you're drunk. Yeah. But you're not drunk. You just haven't had sleep for 30 hours. So wow. I couldn't, like, I was literally staggering. Yeah. That had never happened to me before. Yeah. Um, really crying myself to sleep, being so hungry like literally having pains in my stomach that were so like unbelievably overwhelming. I mean, there's um, food not provided. You can't, you no, can't afford food. You can't, can't get food. It. There's no lunch break. I mean, all this stuff. Listen, they have a little cafeteria, but okay. everybody steals because right. you can't afford it. So yeah. it, I would get money and let's say I got 15 euros. Well, I have to divide everything by seven. Oh, yeah. So no matter what I had, I had to divide it by seven. So sometimes um, I, I ate like for one euro one day, I had one euro and I went to the, there was, used to be a market that was next to the, to the org it was an Aldi. It's not there anymore. Uh, I went back last year, so I, that's mm. how I know, <laughs> but I went to the Aldi and I think I picked up like, you know, a little, a bottle of like uh, water yeah. and I don't know, some little microwave something. And that, yeah. that's all I had to eat that whole, like that whole day. And I also went maybe two or three days without eating once. Wow. And you know, again, when you're staring at like one euro, like that's all that's I it. had, you just, you potatoes, yeah. buying potatoes, buying raw vegetables, just, just enough. Like yeah. 
It was, yeah, it was, it was bad. I mean, it was just, and nobody there, everyone there is kind of on their own. Like it's not really a community to be honest with you. Yeah. So like if you're not eating, it's kind of your fault. That's the, sort of the idea of groups like Scientology is they, mm. they blame the victim. Yeah. Um, and they just had no responsibility on, on what you do as yeah. long as you show up to work and do your work and just say, you know, when they yeah. say jump, you, you don't actually say how high you just jump, you just jump, you know, like as long as you're doing that, then you're fine. Are you, I mean, in this in particular, say, let's Berlin, you're working sure. these hours uh, and there's other people there, but you're not like hanging around a break room going, hey, have you eaten today? Oh, God, no. you, they, they don't want that kind of connection. No, that would no, make no. sense. You know, I knew yeah. everybody was starving. I knew yeah. people that you would see them, you know, one month and then you see them a month later and they were 20, 30 pounds. Wow. We had a guy there that didn't eat. He was legitimately an anorexic, a, a gentleman mm. from the Czech Republic who I'm not even sure if he's alive anymore, sadly, mm. um, because he had these problems. And, you know, it's like, it, it was, it was just, ma it was madness. And yeah. it's so bizarre because when you're in that situation, you don't think about it, but you have to rationalize why you're there. So, sure. uh, so I'm walking down the hall and I'm seeing starving staff members and staff members that are angry. I can't even tell you how many fist fights, screaming matches, people throwing chairs, breaking, you know, filing mm -hmm. cabinets, like just the amount of stress and pressure people are on for literally no reason because mm -hmm. Scientology is not doing anything. It's not going anywhere. Right. So what you're doing is completely futile. Like it's, it's absolutely pointless. You're feeding their monster. That's, that's all it is. It's yeah. all about them. It's not about you. So yeah. I had to rationalize these things and it always is that in the future, like I will get to some place in my Scientology studying which is like at the end, what they call this, the bridge to total freedom, Sure. which is this big chart where they have all their courses and it's this big thing that goes from bottom to, to top. Okay. So all the courses are like levels that you go through. Sure. So the idea is once you reach the highest levels, you're going to obtain some knowledge that L. Ron Hubbard somehow discovered through his, his years of research that's just going to make it all better. And it's so the the it's the carrot, right? Yeah. That's the metaphor a lot of ex-Scientologists use. Yes. They dangle the carrot mm. and they keep moving the goalpost. Yes. You keep going for the carrot because the carrot is a big carrot. It's a juicy carrot. Yeah. And you just keep, they just keep, you know, wagging it right in your face. You're starving. You know? You're cutting off family. You're, it, you're, you're, all your goals are going out the window because you want that carrot. I, I don't know, Ken, if you've had, and I don't know what the condition mm. is, but I remember like walking into the staff break room one time and I slept like maybe an hour. Yeah. And a staff member looked at me because of course, when you're on staff, you have to maintain a certain level of public relations. Sure. So if you look like shit, yeah, then it's not good. It's not good. For so I, wa yeah. I walked in and my shirt was dirty and I had like a, I guess I'd cut myself and I had like a blood stain and a staff member was like your eyes, like right yeah. under my eyes were literally black. Like wow. someone had put that football stuff, yeah, you know? Yeah, black on, yeah. And I looked at myself in the mirror and this was maybe, I don't know, in the middle of, because mm. again, I'm maybe there for nine months. So this is like maybe December, November, December mm. of like 2007. And I was like kind of looking at myself like, and yeah. I was like th really thin and like dirty shirt, dirty pants. I I had no... Like, I don't even remember changing. Yeah. And I was just like a zombie. And yeah. I also only lived two blocks. Like, my apartment was two blocks from the church. So okay. I only saw my apartment and the church that, or the org. That, that was it. So it my it. life and my reality, like, when, yeah. when you look at yourself and you, and you see how, de like, destitute you are, yeah. it's just, it's hard. Like, yeah. it's a very, it's like, I looked at myself and I thought, is this worth it? But then you kind of, like, push yeah. that aside because, yeah, it'll be worth it one day. 
The carrots you there. The I mean? water is boiling, but that's right. That's getting hotter slowly, slowly, yeah. slowly. You're not you're not feeling the burn. And then you know, so you got to rationalize. So why okay. are you there? Well, you're there because of a goal. What's the goal? Yeah. And you're always reminded what the goal is. What's this the goal? And the, and after a while, it's just not worth it because the goal yeah. itself is not a, first of all not an obtainable goal, which is yeah. to make everyone in the in the world Scientologists. Sure. When there's not many people out there, and then you're being told things like you know. It's not about money, yeah. but it is about money. It's about their money. The yeah. whole thing is about money. I mean, yeah. the, everything that you do, like as a staff member, you have you have two positions. So you have the position that you're doing, which for me was, again, loosely like a bookkeeper. But the second thing you're doing is you're selling Scientology. Sure. So you are a salesperson plus whatever you are. And the sales is number one. And it's just, it's just, again, it's a very bizarre experience and it's yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah. And in the end, like... It's just so not worth it. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it, it's it's a ruining, ruining experience, and it takes a long time to 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 just trust people. It's, it's sure. taken me a long time not to be cynical anymore. You know what I mean? Not I, to just like yeah. someone someone might come up to me who's really you know honest and whatever wants to, wants to help. Yeah. Yeah. He just wants to help, and I'm just no. You'll, sure. you'll only you'll only you know screwing yeah. around in the end. Forget you. So it's taken it's taken a long time for me just to be comfortable. And you've been out now over you know? ten years, but yeah, it's still there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. T- let's go to this moment. How do you sure. how do you now how do you file your paperwork? How do you get out the door? How, how, how does that happen? So I go to Berlin, mm-hmm. and due to bureaucracy, um, a very long story, but I'll, I'll just sum sure. it up as um, I was in Berlin and I was uh, on a temporary residence permit, and when you join the staff, you either sign a two and a half year or five year contract. I was on a two and a half year contract. The visa that I was supposed to get the permanent, the permits that I was supposed to get in Berlin would not have covered my two and a half year stay. So I was transferred and I actually lived in San Francisco uh, for two and a half months in the early and from March until May of 2008. And I actually do have a social security number. Um, So there you go. I'm in the, I'm in the American file somewhere. (laughs) I'm in the system. Um, So it took two weeks to get. Um, And uh, I lived, this is what happened there. So I was living with Scientologists in one of those very typical kind of, you know, uh, Victorian style apartments. I was yeah, in Pacific Heights. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was at, uh, Lag- I think it was Laguna in California. If people know that near the yeah. sh- Fillmore shopping district. And I was literally living in a walk-in closet. There was, there was a walk-in closet and a sofa. I was paying $200 a month. My roommates who were born and raised in Scientology were awful, awful people. They did oh, not wow. like me at all. And yeah. they did not really want me there. There, you're a son. You're dropped off. Yeah, yeah. because they they were born and raised in it, and sure. there's this major elitist attitude for people who are what they call second gens versus newbies like me, because you're not. It's a learning curve, and in Scientology, they don't have patience to tell you what the learning curve is. Sure. So even though I had been in for three years and I'd been on staff for nine months, I was still going through the learning curves. Yeah. Whereas these people had not gone through the learning curves. So they they just did not like me. So I decided um, uh, that uh, essentially, again, very, very long story that involves a lot of like Scientology related bureaucracy. But one of the reasons I love Los Angeles so much is because not only did I discover Scientology here, but I left here. Okay. So when I left, it was basically the overall feeling that I had was after three years, I wasn't getting any better. I had been through all this shit. I had told people here in Los Angeles what I had experienced in Berlin. They did not believe me at all. Wow. And if they did, they said, well, we're Sea Org members. You got to suck it up and just 
whatever. Yeah. And basically, it's like it's your fault if you didn't make it go right because that's a huge saying in Scientology. Okay. Scientologists make things go right. So if you don't make things go right, it's on you. So I, it just was like, I, I remember it was uh, there's a there's a, a group of buildings in Los Feliz. They're, yeah. they're called the Big Blue on uh, Sunset, Vermont area, mm-hmm. which I just went to a few days ago um, to honor a friend of mine who was named Gary Scarf who passed away a few years ago. And we used to walk around that okay. area. So R. again, R. digressing, Gary. but no. yeah, good guy. Um, but um, um, I, I stood like, I was like in the middle of that street and mm-hmm. I was like kind of looking around and I was evaluating yeah <laughs> like all these things like people so don't believe me yeah. nothing is good like no one no one's going to give me any kind of restitution i'll never hear an apology from anybody right right no one will ever say we did anything wrong and for me i just in my head mm-hmm. it was like a switch now that switch was not immediate that switch mm-hmm. took a long time sure. to get to that switch yeah. there's no such thing as an aha moment yeah. so even though i had that little moment Right, it ended in an aha, but it, it took a, the it road took, there. It took, it took months. Yeah. So I, I do remember that, and like as I said, one of the things I love about LA is how beautiful the evenings are. Sure. And it was just one of these evenings where the sun was going down. It was maybe seventy-two degrees, like it always is here, yeah. and it was like a beautiful night. And I just felt like a tremendous weight, being like, I don't have to be a Scientologist anymore. And I flew home, oh. and you know, yeah. And then I moved to to yeah. LA here like ten months later. Wow. So if, again, eventually things do get better like yeah as time goes on time does heal many wounds maybe not all wounds but yeah. it does heal a lot of them and i just figure that like all these experiences that i've been through have to teach me something in the end right and especially failure like that that's yeah. something i'm just not afraid of anymore wow. like i've just all the things that i went through for three years some part of me could be like that is failure yeah like i failed for three years but at the same time like I went through so many things and I've, and I'm talking to you today. Like yeah. I literally, we yeah, would, yeah. I'm not be here on the Napsock files today. Yeah. And I wouldn't know, like I wouldn't know you and the other, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and living here, I also saw Mark Ellis do stand up a number of years yeah. ago. So there's all these really cool things that are, Oh, you saw Ellis back I in the saw, day. Yeah, yeah. I saw 2011 Ooh. at the ice house. I yeah. think maybe 2010 yeah. a friend was doing a, like a stand up. um, Awesome. Of course. So yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. things just lead. So, so you like, don't have any regret. You don't, you I choose, really don't. you choose not to have regret. I agree. I, I, I did have a lot of regrets. Sure. Well, as soon as I left, I felt, I felt hurt. I felt betrayed. I felt, I actually felt bad for leaving Scientology because oh, yeah. people were relying on me. I was giving up the cause. Yeah. I had a lot of emotional problems of course ended up developing you know certain like you've talked about depression before yeah i have a bipolar disorder so mood swings i started to get a lot of mood swings where i was elated once and then i'm down and up and down and you know what after going through therapy after getting on on the right regiment of exercising and just doing the things that again that i really want to do i've been able to make these strides forward Mm. and you know again like i don't I don't like being a Scientologist. You always try to plan for the future sure. and it, and you have to plan and your plan has to be everything that you want it to be. Mm. So whatever goal is that is just unreliable or, or just crazy, you have to make that and you have to go for it. But I'm kind of like, I'm not like that anymore. I mean, I'm going to, I make goals, yeah. but I don't make plans anymore because plans never work out. 
Yeah. I figure I figure that a goal is a bit more flexible. I can I can work yeah, within a goal yeah. and I can switch the points and I can say, okay, well, uh, I'm a, I'm an A and I want to go to C. Okay, well, I think B is going to be this way, but if B is not that way, it's not like the end of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can take those little steps. So, and I think that a lot of that is just also growing up too, like yeah. just you've been through a lot, just learning. And but you've been through a lot, man. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, yeah like, but at yeah. the same time, I just try to. Just try to go go with the flow, as they say. Just sort of, just kind of relax a little, and just kind of like, okay, this this thing that I might not necessarily yeah. want it to happen is going to happen. How yeah. can I just ex- take it, and then try to make something good out of it? Like it's a tough, tough, tough thing. Yeah. But the plans, I think, is where people get uh, into their head. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people in the industry have plans. Like if you had sure. told me when I was twenty two where I was going to be when I was thirty six, right here. Living in Beverly Hills with, you know, four cars, a mansion. I would have mm-hmm. been working with Steven Spielberg or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that but that's that happens to maybe one person out of a billion. And that's Absolutely. good for that person. Yeah. But for me, it's just a different route. It's a different thing. And yeah. it's cr- like I wouldn't have expected it, but that's the point of life. Yeah, like, brother. It's not planned. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, my the plans I, are just... I love you know? this talk, man. Great perspective. <laughs> You've gone through a lot, but I again, choosing no regret, a different yeah. route and... Yeah, and failure, failure is a lesson. I think, understandably, we are afraid to learn. Uh, who wants to fail? But you're going to, and you have to get through it. And it seems like you went through. That's a crazy three years, man. That's uh, of that, but also just a lot of other things. Uh, I think you have a great story. We, we're almost done here. I, I could probably talk to you for a while, but but uh, where are you now, man? You're in Toronto, uh, yep. north of Toronto, north Toronto. Let's get it right. Um, you uh, you're down here visiting. Yep. Uh, what's the next move? What is the next plan that you can't actually plan for? <laughs> well, what's, where are you at right now? I, what I like to say is, um, as I'm studying now, I'll probably be studying in the future. The where, the when, the how, all that stuff whatever, you know, like the place doesn't matter. Uh, I've got to be comfortable living. I've got to be comfortable in a program that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So wherever it's going to be, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me where it's not the location that matters. It's more the, the opportunities, Mm -hmm. um, and the programs that I can get into that will lead to more opportunities. And again, I like to say, I was thinking about the other day, I may never live in Los Angeles again, but at least I can come here. At least I can visit. At least I know you. I know Tom. I know so many people yeah. from the Schmoes. And then all my friends. I have a really great friend named Jonathan Welsh, um, who I saw last night. He's, you know, like yeah. I just have so many good friends. So wherever, wherever, it doesn't wherever. matter to me. Wherever. Like it's just, I have that idea, but that yeah. idea might change and that's okay. Mark, I love your story, and I want to thank you so much for coming on in here. Uh, It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I remember our meetings uh, a a lot, man, and and back in the day. uh, Back when it was a different time in Schmoes where we could get to know our fans on an individual basis, and you have surpassed that uh, word, and fans, by the way, not a bad word, but you've surpassed that status to to a friend of the show, a friend of us, and uh, I know uh, Tom uh, always uh, wants to chat with you again, so uh, yes, we'll make that happen one day. Uh, we'll put it on. We, we, anytime you chat, chat chat with Tom, it should be on microphones. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, you do have some social media. I know you just got back on Twitter, right? Did yeah, I see that? that you was. played the, those waters there, man. I, uh, I didn't. I, I don't know why. I just decided I didn't like Twitter for a little while. But that's I, it, believe I, me, that's a correct decision. But but I think it's really great to. Yeah. Um, 
with with yeah. the schmoes and stuff. So connect. Yeah. Where, where can they follow you? At? So at Mark A Turi M A R K A T U R I, and uh, the better is to follow me on Instagram. There you go. And uh, and uh, Twitter. And Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, give Mark a follow. What a journey. I hope you all that are listening found some inspiration in it because there's a lot of valuable nuggets that he was just dropping along the path for all of you to pick up. I can't thank you enough, Mark. We're going to go uh, talk about some kids in the hall off air, I'm sure. And uh, if you are a Patreon supporter, you get to hear Mark a little bit more on five extra minutes on patreon.com slash catnapsuck. You know where to follow me at catnapsuck at the top of the show. I told you about all the events coming up. If you want more information, go to catnapsuck.com. That is it for this week. We're out of here. The Knapsack Files rolls on. We'll see ya.